0: Well, good morning, Grace. How's everyone doing? Good morning. Good morning. And I will be reading from the book of Exodus, chapters 23, 20 through 24:18. And you'll find that also in your Pew Bible on page 64. Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way to bring you to a place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will blot them out. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness from you and among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fully fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come. And I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites and the Canaanites and the Hittites before you. I will not drive them out before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased and possessed the land. I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the Euphrates. And I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me, for you serve their gods, for if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone come near to the Lord, but the lo- others shall not come near and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words the Lord had and all the rules, and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars, according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel made you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. He did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. Then the Lord said to Moses, "'Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, "'and I may give you the tablets of stone "'with the law and the commandment "'which I have written on for, these, for their instruction.' "'So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, "'and Moses went up into the mountain of God, "'and he said to the elders, "'Wait here for us until we return to you. "'And behold, Aaron and her are with you. "'Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them, Then Moses went up on the mountain, mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain for forty days and forty nights. And may the word of the Lord be a blessing to you all. Amen.
1: Amen. Welcome back to Exodus. We took a little break for the, the Easter season. Now we are back. Exodus from slavery to glory. Hopefully you haven't forgotten everything that's happened so far. You've kept it in mind. Have you ever made a promise to God? God, if you get me out of this, I promise I'll never do yada yada again. Maybe when you are sick. God, if you, if you heal me, I will serve you, like nobody's business. God, I will never do that again, I promise. I remember the first, when I first saw The Passion of the Christ, Do you remember that movie? I remember sitting in the theater thinking, I will never sin again. I, this, I will, ne- I promise, Jesus, I promise, I'm never gonna, that lasted a day maybe. <laughs> Is your faith founded upon the promises you make to God or the promises God makes to you? That's the question. Is your Christian life rooted in The promises that you've made to God and living up to those promises? Or is it rooted in the promises that God makes to you and Him living up to His promises? God is a promise-making God. He is what we call a covenant God. God enters… This is what a covenant is when two parties make a commitment to one another. Two parties making a commitment to one another. We, sometimes we use the word contract today. So a covenant, God is a covenant God. He makes commitments to mankind all throughout the Bible. And so God makes commitments based on his love, but also his holy law. So they become law, but they're rooted in his love. Today we want to talk about our better covenant our better covenant the the israelites have come out of egypt they were slaves in egypt for over 400 years we've we've walked with them through the passover through the red sea weeks in the wilderness. Now we're at Mount Sinai. God promised them, you're going to make it to Mount Sinai. You're going to worship me at Mount Sinai. And then Moses um, told the people, God's going to come down. And God came down from heaven and He spoke the ten words, or we call them the ten commandments. And then from there, God continued to give more rules Rules about how to worship, rules about slavery, rules, uh, some rules about sexuality, rules about how to treat your parents, rules about making recompense and, and not, not to steal, all these rules. And those rules are called the book of the covenant. So chapters 20 through 23 of Exodus has been the book of the covenant that God has, so far he has only just spoken it out loud while Moses is recording it he's he's writing it down we assume now we're ready to ratify the covenant that's what's happening in today's passage back then when the two parties would ratify the covenant they would do what's called cutting the covenant we see this in genesis 15 with abraham it's also we know that it was done in other cultures as well there are assyrian documents talking about cutting covenants And so what they would do is they would take animals and they would cut animals in half and they would make this path of blood and the two parties would walk down that path and it symbolized, if I break my commitment to you, may I be chopped in half. May this fate fall upon me. And so in Exodus 24, we see... Moses making a sacrifice and taking the blood, and he puts some of it on the altar. Did you catch that? And then he puts some of it on the people. Okay, so it's not… God's not going to walk through it like he did in Genesis 15 with Abraham. And they're not all… not all the people aren't going to literally walk through the pieces. But when Moses is scattering that blood on both sides, both parties, this is the cutting of the covenant the cutting of the covenant. Both parties, God and Israel, are responsible. If either of them breaks this covenant, they will die. Bad things will happen. Okay? Does that describe your relationship with God? God You do your half of the covenant, and I'll do my half. And hopefully we'll meet in the middle on this thing called life. God, I know I've been pulling my weight. Uh, Where's the blessings? Why is my life so full of sorrow? I've remained pure, why aren't I married yet? I've been tithing, why aren't I rich yet? (sighs) I raised my kids with godly principles, why are they so? (sighs) Sorry kids. (laughs) Had to be said. (sighs) There's a better way, there's a better way relate to God. We have a better covenant with better promises, Christian. A better covenant with better promises. Listen to me. Exodus 24 is not your covenant. Not your covenant. Say, not my covenant. (laughs) Not my covenant. (laughs) Okay. Exodus 24, they are on Mount Sinai. Christian you live on Mount Zion You with me? Do you remember the difference? Mount Sinai law Mount Zion cross the cross of Christ we have come this is Hebrews we have come to Mount Zion To the gathering of the Saints and angels into the presence of God and to Jesus that's where we live we have a better covenant with better promises Christ has obtained a ministry that is more excellent than Exodus 24 it is enacted on better promises to us Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant founded on the gospel the payment for our sins by his death, and our union with Christ by his resurrected life. Let me read it again. Jesus is the mediator. Moses is the mediator here in Exodus. Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant founded on the gospel, the good news. What's the good news? That Jesus, by his death, has paid for all of our sins and that by his resurrection life, he has joined his life to ours, union with Christ by his resurrected life. You see, the Old Covenant says, if you obey, verse 22, 23, 22. Everybody look at Exodus 23, 22. But if you carefully obey his voice then I will. If you obey, then I will go with you. The angel will go with you. Verse 20, I send an angel before you. This is likely God himself. This is what we call a theophany, a physical manifestation of the invisible God. So this, it might even be what we call a Christophany, a manifestation of Jesus as an angel. Why do we say that? Because he's listened to. He can pardon sins. uh, He he has God's name in him, and they're used interchangeably. And so, God will go with you if you obey. I will… verse 27, I'll protect you, and I will drive out all of your enemies. I'm going to send my terror before you against all of your enemies. He's even going to send hornets in verse 28. That's literally just the word for plague. I'm going to send a plague before you if you obey. Verse 25, I'll make you prosperous if you obey. You'll have, you'll have bread. You'll have health. You'll have children if you obey. If you you obey, verse 31, if you obey, I will establish your borders. But look at verse 21. The end of verse 21 is one of the most terrifying lines in the Bible. Verse 20, 30, 23, 21, pay careful attention to him, obey his voice, do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression. Yikes. Yikes. Whew. By the way, tuck that away, because in a few chapters, they're going to sin, big. And God, the first card God's going to play is, I'm not forgiving you. He, he's, he's remembering what he said, okay? Tuck that away. We'll get to that in a few weeks. Listen to me. What, what if your Bible ended with that verse? <laughs> I will not pardon your transgressions. <laughs> the end. Close the book. It's done. What if that's how this whole story ended? What if that's how the whole Bible ended? All of, of redemptive history ended with that phrase. Could you survive it? Could, can you survive an eternity without pardon? Can you survive a day without pardon? An hour? I don't even know if I can survive an hour without the pardon of God. What guilt and shame are you carrying around every day? And what are you doing with it? Are you counting on pardon from your Creator or are you just carrying it? Well, Brady, I don't believe in judgment. I don't believe that God judges us, okay? That's terrifying. You don't believe that injustice demands judgment? Is involuntary servitude okay? Is, is mistreating our elders okay? Is murder okay? Is false testimony in court okay? Do any of these things deserve judgment? <laughs> yeah Okay, so you, you do not want a God who does not judge That's not what you want Well Brady, I think that as long as my good outweighs my bad I will be judged as alright Okay, okay Good luck Good luck I, let me, So let me just honestly ask you How many bad things have you done this week? How many purely good things have you done this week? Do you really want to roll the dice? Do you really think that the prosecutor of heaven isn't going to tear you apart on the witness stand? Do you really think that that's what's going to happen when you stand before God. Let me ask you a question. If you died today and God said, why should I let you into my kingdom, what would you say? All that the Lord has spoken, I have done. Because listen, that's the only right answer apart from Jesus. Okay, okay. Some of what the Lord has spoken, I have done. A little, a little of what the Lord has spoken, I have done. Okay, none. None. I haven't done any of it. Listen, those are your options. Your your options before a holy, perfect God is is all that the Lord has spoken, I have done, or I haven't done any of it, give me Jesus. Those are your two options on Judgment Day. I pray you choose the right one. On Good Friday, we talked about how this Old Covenant is good, but the New Covenant is better. Old Covenant is good. Listen, it it is not wrong for, for God to say, I will not pardon your transgression. I hope you all understand that he's allowed to say that. He does not owe you forgiveness. God does not owe you mercy. God does not owe you grace. In fact, that's the definition of these words, isn't it? When God gives you something that you're not owed, we don't, for, we don't just forgive people that deserve forgiveness. We don't give grace to people who deserve it, because then it ceases to be grace. When God says, I will not pardon you, he has every right to say that. Anything he says in the next few chapters, like, okay, I'm going to pardon you, spoiler, that's what he's going to say, he says because of his grace and his mercy. Better promises though. This is good. God's good. God is is allowed to say, I'm not going to forgive you, but there's better. There's better. Galatians 2.16, we also believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by what? Faith in Christ and not by works of the Law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Nope, by works of the law, no one will be justified. Get that option out of your head. How are we justified? We're justified by the better promise of faith in Christ. Faith in Christ is our acquittal. Faith in Christ is our not guilty. Faith in Christ is our free at last. Faith in Christ is our justification. Christ alone. Have you broken God's law? Yes. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. If we reduce all of God's law down to those two things, let's just, let's just wrestle with those two things. Have you kept those two parts of the law? Love God perfectly, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Have you kept that? No, neither have I. My acquittal has to come from a different source than my own obedience to the law. my disobedience I deserve death but the better promise of Christ through his substitutionary death for me the better promise is eternal life and this is the promise that he made to us eternal life how many of you this morning want eternal life how many of you would say that sounds like a good deal how many of you would say, in your, what you're saying is, I don't have to do anything, earn anything, figure anything out. All I got to do is receive it. How many of you would say, yes, please sign me up? Amen. Amen. Listen, when John says the promise is eternal life, that word life is a very unique word. In Greek, there's three words for life, bios, suke, zoe bios, biological life, I'm alive, I have a body, Suke, intellectual, psychological life. That's not the word he's using, he's using the word zoe, which is the unique word for the life of God. Christian, non-Christian, listen to me, God isn't promising you that this life you're living right now goes on forever, because that would be hell. Right? Like, literally. What he's saying is, I'm offering you my divine life as your life forever. Union with Christ, a shared life with Christ, wow, that just sweetened the pot. I want that. No fear, no shame, no guilt, no injustice, no sorrow, no pain. The former things have all passed away. Amen? Number two, a better presence. We have better promises, we have a better presence. Notice, notice how they are supposed to worship God here in Exodus 24. 24 verse one, come up to the Lord. Climb the mountain. But not everybody, some of you will worship, look at the end of t- verse one 24:1. 24-1, some of you will worship from afar. And, and as, it, as it fleshes out, the people are down at the bottom. Hi, people. Stay down there. Don't even touch it. And then the elders, the 70 elders, they get to go halfway up. And they have this really cool experience, don't they? They eat with God. Did you hear that when when Kevin was reading? They saw God's feet and they ate with God. But then all the way to the top of the mountain, just Moses. Just Moses. By the end of the chapter, he's in the cloud. Worship limits. Limits. You can only go this far. You can come this far. And you get to come all the way to God. Not without limits. Worship, but not without limits. Worship, but not without sacrifice. Burnt offerings, peace offerings. They bring a blood sacrifice. Worship, but not without commitment. We will obey. Worship, but not without fear. 2417 it's a devouring fire We already we've already seen in other chapters how afraid the people were And this will be the pattern of their worship for the next 1500 years Even in the next few chapters, we're going to build the tabernacle even at the tabernacle the people could only go so far And then the priests could go a little farther. And then the high priest alone could go into the presence of God one day a year. And when we build the temple, there will be even more limits. The Gentile, the court of the Gentiles, the court of women, the court of men, the court of priests, all these limits to who can get to God. And that's how they will worship, not without sacrifice, not without fear, And here's my fear. I fear that this has been the pattern of the church for the last 2,000 years. I fear that the church thinks it's still on Mount Sinai. On Mount Sinai, it's limited as to who can be close to God and do the work of God. Well, the clergy will do it. The pastors will do it. The missionaries will do it. The deacons, the super spiritual ones, no, that's the wrong mountain, church. On Mount Zion, everyone is a royal priest. On Mount Zion, everyone does the work of God. On Mount Sinai, we've taught Christians how to get close and stay close to God instead of teaching them how to live from faith in their union with Christ. On Mount Sinai, we've put tithes and offerings into a plate or a box or online for fear that God wouldn't bless us and our obedience. On Mount Sinai, we've used worship music to invoke the presence of God, creating just the right atmosphere so that God will show up and bless us. Instead of understanding that God shows up because of His grace. And our worship is meant to celebrate that. On Mount Sinai, we've given invitations, especially to young people, to rededicate their lives to Christ rather than showing them Christ's dedication to them. On Mount Sinai, we've talked about following Jesus, imitating Jesus, loving Jesus. Instead of learning how to trust Jesus. On Mount Sinai we find our glory in our style, our sermons, our outreach events, our technology, our budgets, our buildings. Rather than finding glory by simply beholding the face of Christ. Look, I get there's a fine line in a lot of these things. But may God test our hearts. May God have mercy on us. May God move us off of Sinai and onto Zion. Amen? Amen. Listen, there's a better way to experience the presence of Christ by focusing not on what we do for him, but on what he has done for and in us. May that ever be our message. Remember, not my promises to him, but trusting his promises to me. Number three, his beautiful church. His beautiful church. Paul says that things in the Old Testament are shadows, they're pictures. That Christ is the substance, Christ is the fulfillment. Exodus 23 and 24 is a shadow, it's a picture of the church. And so we can learn from it. We can find ourselves in it. We are the called out people of God, gathered at a mountain, a better mountain, a different mountain, but gathered at a mountain. We've been invited into a better covenant, a covenant where Jesus has stood up. Remember the cutting of the covenant? The cutting of the covenant. God and man. God walks through. If I don't keep my end of the bargain, woe to me. Man, man <laughs> walks through. If I don't keep my end of the bargain, woe to me. Okay. <laughs> I just spent 25 minutes explaining to us that man cannot keep that end of the bargain. What is the solution? God is both. God is both. He's the God and He's the man. God has walked through and man has walked through. Jesus, the man, the God man, has walked through. And when Jesus died on a cross, that was, G- that was because Jesus representing man who didn't keep the covenant, and what does the, cu- what does the cutting say? The cutting says, if I don't keep it, woe to me, may I be cut, may I be scourged, may I be ripped apart. And Jesus Christ in mankind's place said, I will take that curse of the covenant. I will go to the cross and allow myself to literally be ripped apart and in doing so in doing so he is then able in taking our place on the cross he is then able to give us to give us his eternal life because when he rose from the dead he defeated that curse didn't he that curse couldn't hold him down His righteous life he was vindicated because of his righteous life and now he shares that righteous life with us and so we read this we read Exodus and we make we make the crucial error if we say all that the Lord has commanded we will do we'll get it right where the Israelites got it wrong we'll finally get it right nope (laughs) you missed the whole point Jesus came to earth, and he said, Father, all that you say, I will do. And he did. And he said, because I love this people, I will take the curse. I will take the curse. I will be cut. I will be pierced. I will be flogged. I will be speared. I will bleed and now my sprinkled blood is thrown upon the hearts and minds of my covenant people so that they become my beautiful church. My beautiful church. Church, we are Christ's victorious church. Just as the angel would go before and remove all enemies. Christ has gone before, and He has removed all your enemies. He has removed the enemy of sin and Satan and death. None of those things can stand against you. You are more than a conqueror, Christian. Do you understand that? Christ has gone before you. He has conquered. We are His prosperous church just as God granted Israel everything they needed to be a prosperous nation, Jesus has given us all we need for life and godliness, hasn't He? He has given us all we need internally, His love, His care, His mercy, His power, His forgiveness, His peace, so that we can be a prosperous church. We are His purified church. Just as the people were sprinkled with the blood of the sacrifice and cleansed. Christ has sprinkled us with His cleansing blood. His once-for-all sacrifice has cleansed us for all time. We are His beloved church. Just as those elders shared a fellowship meal with God on the mountain and got to meet with God in His very presence, Jesus invites all of us to eat with him, to be fed by him. On that mountain, did you notice what they ate? Do you remember? Bread and water. What are the two things Jesus called himself? I am the bread of life. I am the living water. Christian, feast. (laughs) Feast. You're not not at the bottom of the mountain anymore. Feast. Feast on the bread of life, on the living water. Listen, church, we are His committed church. All you have spoken, we will do. Church, that's a promise to you. I want you to hear that as a promise. One day, it's not going to be today. It's not going to be tomorrow. It's not going to be this side of heaven. But one day, We will stand before the Lord. And as his beautiful bride, his his community that they sang about today, his beloved community, we will stand before the Lord Jesus and say with pure hearts, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Are you looking forward to that day? And listen, here's the thing. Why not start practicing now? <laughs> right? If you're going to do everything Jesus says one day in heaven, why, why, not? why don't we just start now? Let's just try. Let's just try. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to mess up. But Lord, <laughs> you have given us a pure heart. You have given us a cleansed, purified spirit. May we do what you say. And finally, we are His beautiful church. We are His beautiful church. They saw the glory of God up in a cloud and fire, a consuming fire up on top of a mountain. But we have seen the glory of the Lord in the face of Jesus Christ. A glory that is His grace. A glory that exceeds, that exceeds all other glories of God. All the other glories of God are put to shame by the glory of his grace. We are his radiant bride, his pure and spotless love. We are the trophies of his grace and kindness. Do you believe this? Is this who you are? Is this who we are? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we know, we know that we are fools when we live on the wrong mountain. God, we know that we are fools when we think our our good can outweigh our bad. We know we are fools if we think there won't be a judgment. And so on that day, on that day, I I know what my, I know what my answer is gonna be. My answer is gonna be Father, all that you have said Jesus has done and I claim him. I want him. I'll have what he's having. Father, let our hearts cry be the cry of faith. Faith in the finished work of Jesus. Our curse taker, our curse breaker, the giver of eternal life and his righteousness. Take us forward out of here, held tight by your love, held tight as your victorious, purified, beloved, committed, and beautiful church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.